0: And then out loud I said, I love being alive. And I felt everything was coming back to me because what we affirm, you know, we really create. And this is the other thing about the mind. What we tell the mind, we get more of. So if we tell the mind, I don't think I can do that, guess what, that might be your reality.
1: That's Rachel Gatto, personal success coach clinical hypnotherapist, author and speaker. And in December 2021, she released Flying on the Inside, a memoir of trauma and recovery. It really is the remarkable true story of one woman's journey back from the brink. Newly widowed and faced with a deadly brain tumor from which few expected her to survive, never mind thrive. And we meet her now as she shares her insights into how we too can find our mettle and become high achievers if we choose to be. I'm Finola Howard Because great marketing is your truth shared. Hello, Fiona.
0: Ah, oh, Fanola, I called you Fiona. <laughs> Must be nerves. Oh,
1: I shall forgive please you, do. I shall forgive oh, you, you, Rachel, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm so happy we're having this conversation. You see, we're laughing already. (laughs) And I want to read a little bit the bio for your book, if somebody, uh, when somebody downloads it. And let us start from there because it reads so interesting. It reads like a movie, just to say. And it's this remarkable true story of one woman's journey back from the brink. Newly widowed and faced with a deadly brain tumour. She was given two years to live and she wanted more. It also goes on to say that, you had already watched your brother succumb at tw- at only 28 to cancer. You'd lost your husband in a terrible scuba diving accident when she w- when you were six months pregnant. And then, as they say, you did the only thing you knew how to do, you fought. I mean, that's one hell of a story. And I know because I read the book, it's amazing and powerful and really tough to read. And then I still think of your smiling face and can you share a little bit about this experience for you and how it led you to where you are now?
0: For sure, Fanola. Um, I suppose we better start at the end and work our way back because I'm also smiling right now. Okay, because, cool. Yeah. Um, right now today I have an immense joy connected to living and life and without word of a lie, I do get up every morning and I am so, so joyous that I'm here. And it's not something that happens naturally. And this is something that I love to talk about because life is complex and life does take us through many routes and many segues. And we have difficulties and challenges, small ones and big ones. I work at it. And just a little bit of my past that you've spoken about there, it is complex. I won't deny. And I won't deny the fact that I Mm. have actually been brought to my knees um, many times throughout the last 25 years. And I have been brought to my knees both physically, mentally, emotionally. And there have been times when I've wondered actually, was I jinxed? Was I just one of those misfits who wasn't really supposed to be around, and that life was doing its best to clobber me and get rid of me because I was a bit like one of those skittles or lemmings you know every time you bang on the head, I came back and this is the question that a lot of people ask me is how did you come back so many times when you were banged on the head, both metaphorically and physically quite literally because I had an acquired brain injury yeah and I always come back to the very, very simple answer for Nola. That is, we are born to survive. We are actually innately strong. And I think what we get mixed up with sometimes is when something feels painful, or it feels um, challenging or unnatural, or not really what we want in our lives, we can actually label that, as that we are, we're broken, or we're this, or we're that. It's because it's uncomfortable. But actually, what you are doing, you're still thriving underneath it all. You may not like it what's you're happening to you. You may not feel it's it's something that you want, but you're still there, and you're still thriving, mm-hmm. and you're actually still managing. Uh, believe it or not, and there were times, and um, particularly when I was coming off prescription drugs, and it really was the most inhumane experience that I had. I wished actually in the depth of my misery that I wouldn't survive. Then it would confirm to me that I was truly broken. But Mm. actually I was still thriving underneath all of this challenge. I was still there. And so I say I separated my experience and my belief about my experience and took it apart from actually the reality and I made a new form of reality. Which was, yes, it's horrible, yes, it's brought me to the most horrible places, but actually, there's a core of me that is still working, and this is the premise for what I share with my clients and in the book is that we have a seam, a core, um, we've talked about this before, it's a metal it's it's a it's a core inside ourselves that actually works unconsciously. We don't have to do anything with it. It keeps us on this sort of the line, the path. And there are times when you want to give up for NOLA, but what I really think is the most important thing is we need a reason, a purpose. And in marketing terms, it's a why, isn't it? Mm. Define the why. And I think I had a very clear why. And my why was first, I wanted to live a life of purpose and meaning. I didn't want my life to end there, where I hadn't actually overcome something. I think I would have been okay if I'd have passed on when I had just come through a little bit, but I wanted to prove to myself that I could thrive. Plus, I actually had a little girl who was born when my husband, Mm. a few months after my husband died. That was of an extremely powerful um, purpose and meaning and Mm. reason and a why that, I couldn't really walk away from because she would have been an orphan
1: if I had not been around. Let me ask you this. So many people would have given up. That's a reality. And so many people who would have had purpose now, granted as also as a mother, I know that that is a big enough purpose in and of itself. It will drive you to the nth degree to 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 survive, to accomplish, to do all of these things. But still, I kind of want to ask you, do you feel that this is unique to you? So many would have given up because it was a battering. And I mean, when I sent you this kind of briefing document before we had this chat, I talked about like one of the common questions we would ask is, you know, what is the high point or the low point? But, you know, when I read your book, I know there were so many low points and you've just talked about that. How did you move through that or do you think that was unique to de- to you?
0: It's a very good question and obviously it's one I can't, you know, literally answer. Um, when I look back to the times when it felt as if the world was turning at the slowest revolution and I couldn't come out of any of the pain or the misery of the suffering, it seemed as if everything was at a, such a crawl and a standstill that. I still felt this kinetic push forwards. And I actually believe that that is something that is innate. And I think my answer will be too pronged because we have an immense ability to stay alive through enormous challenges. We only have to look at the great wars to see that you know people went through enormous difficulties and yet they came home and they went on to thrive and they went on to live relatively normal lives i would equate myself uh, humbly Uh, with that sort of cohort, I went into a place that I had no experience of and somehow I was urged forward. And yes, there were times when I wailed and I cried and I beat my chest and I could not take anymore. And there were times also for NOLA that I wished that I would die. I genuinely wished Mm. that I would be taken. And so there's that I found was that there's a wheel turning internally all the time. It just doesn't turn at the pace we'd like it to when we're in misery and when we're in challenge. But also, I believe that there is an innateness in each of us, but I also believe that some people need more uh, you know, support and holding than others. Somehow, I think I had um, an aloneness in me that allowed me to keep clawing um my way forwards. I would have liked more support in professional ways, but and at the time there wasn't really offered to me. So I had to be ingenious. But in answer to your story, I think it's a little bit of innate. And I believe mm. the rest of it can be taught. And I think that's the exciting thing because a lot of my clients say, you know, that's okay for you, Rachel, but you know, how on earth could I manage that? But after about 20 minutes of explaining how the mind works and the possibilities and utilizing certain elements, they start to say, oh, okay, so if I adopt this and do this, it is, there's a potential. I said, absolutely, because we do need to show up for this stuff. Um, We do need to be saying, I want this journey and I want to be different and I want to come out of this. Um, that will be the defining factor, actually, about how quickly I believe we go on to recover.
1: Let me ask you, you you mentioned an aloneness in you, and that seems to resonate with me when I hear that, because an aloneness, you could say it's a resilience or it could be that that thing of it feels like that that you always had to be, you had a self sufficiency in you and aloneness in you. Is that, do you think that's fair to say? And is that an edge, this aloneness piece? Mm. It's a good question, isn't it? And I need to just revisit mm. a little
0: bit. It's, uh, when I use that word aloneness, I think I meant that, again, going back to this thread, mm. this seam. I yeah. I didn't know until I got there that it was there. If that doesn't sound too convoluted, because how yeah. how are we to know what we're made of until our backs yeah. really against the wall? And you hear pe- about people who um, may be you know physically assaulted, maybe mugged or something. And they step into, um, you know, a, a being that they didn't know was there. So we have our our innate, we have our instinctual uh, reactions, and then we have these ones that grow. And then, of course, we have this ability, neuroplasticity, this ability to occur and accrue resilience through overcoming little problems. So I think it's a, a mixture. But again, going back, I do think that it's something that we can all tap into
1: and recognise our own place. And and I agree with you, but what I'd like to explore is, I don't think we, I don't think everyone readily accepts that they have it. I don't think that society equips us with an assumption of our own metal, to use your term.
0: I would agree, Vanola. I really would agree. And Uh, at the moment, actually, we're we're taught to turn our eyes outwards for most things and our mind outwards for looking for expert, looking for support, looking for um, somebody to help us be what we want to be. And in in some respects, that's brilliant. And in, in many respects, we do need support in certain areas. But I do believe that there is a move afoot now, which is helping and encouraging people to look within and also to stack up their own achievements, to look and and mm. accrue and say, okay, I overcame that. So what what does that give me? What's the information from that? What are the possibilities? The other thing I agree with you, Fanola, is is also that an element of curiosity is incredibly important if you're looking for change within yourself. We become very blunted to the detail in life now because we do have this social media, this immediacy. And I know it's talked about a lot, but it's very, very important. When we have instant gratification, when we have immediacy, so that means anything we seek is available to us at a, at a second, there's very little striving, there's very little curiosity needed because it's fed to us. Mm. And that is really why it's so, so important now to take seriously this unplugging and this stepping back and this amassing ourselves back into um, nature. And I noticed something that is very interesting. I just came back from a two-week sailing trip delivering a boat. Mm. And before I left, my eyesight wasn't great for reading. I really couldn't read a thing, right? Within a few days, I was able to read my log, I was able to read my, um, the compass and everything without glasses because my vision was going short, long. I was looking at the horizon to see if there were any ships on the horizon. I was using my eye muscles. And so I was flexing and, and letting them go and flexing. And it's the same with our mind. We need to flex our minds. We need mm. to, the mind is a muscle. And if we don't exercise it, for instance, if we don't go to the gym and exercise our biceps, they'll become atrophied. The same with our mind. So I think that it's super important that we take that very, very seriously, particularly with the young people, that they understand that mm. literally, you what is it, you snooze, you lose. We lose yeah. our brain and if we do not work it. So in answer to your question, we are sort of taught to look outwards now but there is enough information out there to do with mindset and and you know neuroplasticity and neuro recovery and um recovering from injury and challenge and resilience is a word that is abounding around so check it out i think and read about it and then identify your story with it can you see yourself in any bit so that you can say oh yeah i did that or oh yes that possibility is there or just become curious about a particular subject. And this is all about how other people can do it, because I am not unique. I really believe it, Fenola. But I, my back was against the wall. I had no choice. And the only choices I had were to look for survival. And my survival instinct kicked in, but also curiosity and looking for possibilities. That we can definitely learn.
1: I I take from this, this idea, because I think it's interesting, this idea that the modern world blunts our metal. Yeah. And we have to sharpen it again.
0: We absolutely do. And if you, I I keep going back to the past generations because I admire them so much. They worked in the fields every day, right? They were bending, stretching Mm. their brain. They were activating left brain, right brain, left brain, right brain, all the time. They were in tune with the rhythms of day and night. They were in tune with the rhythms of the seasons, what grows and what doesn't and how animals need to be moved around and so on and so on and so on. Increasingly, we're living in a you know unidimensional world which does not exercise those sides of the brain because you're fed all that information. So when people say to me, I don't know if I could do that, Rachel. Mm. I say yes, you can, but you need to you need to do something about it. We don't, you know, we take it's the you know the adage that you know we take care of our bodies. Um, you know, we pay pay the doctor now until we need the illness. It's the same. We put in the bank, Finola. Our health. We have to stack up our health. It doesn't just stay there. So it's the same with mentality, with our emotional, physical, mental health. We got to bank it. And that means we do have to work at it. So my response to people when they say, oh, I don't think I could do that, I say, but are you working at it? Are you investing? Do you think we're just lazy? I think that's not um, a word I would use. I think that we (laughs) are being taught to not you yeah. rely on ourselves to not use our own innate judgment, to yeah. not trust our own gut instincts. I think that we've been taught that there is a better solution somewhere else. And I particularly mm. like to speak to young people about this because they're the next generation coming up. And if they have an, another generation you know, that is also taught the same, then we will lose our physical and mental autonomy. It's a muscle, it needs to be harnessed, it needs to be exercised, and our health mentally and physically needs to be taken seriously every day of our lives and that's what I've been left with, and I think nobody can speak more truthfully about it than I without sounding um mm. you know um, arrogant it's something I want people to know because it can be too late, mm. you know at some point in our lives. And you don't have to go crazy at it. You just need to put a few minutes in, you know, every day, a part of your days and enjoy it because that's you. That's who you are. You're working on you. You're not uh, giving energy to something else. You're actually putting energy back in the bank. And that's why every morning when I wake, I literally spend just a few minutes anchoring myself to life. This morning it was so beautiful. I looked out the window and I went outside and I saw a variegated sycamore leaf, and you know I just spent a few minutes just admiring that and going wow. And then out loud I said, "I love being alive." And I felt everything was coming back to me because Mm. what we affirm, you know, we really create. And this is the other thing about the mind: what we tell the mind, we get more of. So if we tell the mind, "I don't think I can do that," well, you guess what. That might be your reality, you know? So it's important to start researching. Look at people who inspire you. Look at people who've come from places that, you know, dark places and gone to these places. Flex your mind muscles and see what the potential is.
1: Uh, And I also, I'm really hearing that idea of curiosity because it's possibly the trigger for all of this to see what's possible.
0: Entirely i wrote something the other day which was you know if you can't find a solution brainstorm 3 you know and yeah. if you need get somebody roped in you and me Fenella, we've brainstormed together you know with marketing mm-hmm. ideas we've brainstormed and what have we come up with the great riches so brainstorming makes possibilities. It makes the energy in the body change. And I always say to people, do you want to feel what it feels like to be looking for possibilities? And it's as simple as this. If I rang you up, Fanola, which I may do one time and say, Fanola, I'm in town. I'm going to do it like this, actually. Fanola, I'm in town. Do you want to come out with me for a glass of wine tonight? We'll have a great time. You went, no. If I ring you up and I go, hey, Fanola, it's Saturday. Come on, let's go to that lovely new wine bar. We're going to have a great night. You're definitely coming because what we're doing here is we're actually creating chemistry that changes and alters our brain mindset. So if you think, if you have problems and you get a powwow going, a think tank going of two people that you admire and respect and you say, okay, I'm stuck. Could we just spend 15 minutes looking for some possibilities for me? Imagine the energy that created through that. You're already building resilience. You're already building possibilities by just opening yourself up to possibilities. So there are so many ways to to skin the cat. And what I say is don't stand Mm -hmm. alone saying, I can't do this. Find ways to do it. Because once you start that chain of events, Once you get that little bit of a smirk on your lips about, oh, maybe. Then you're making traction. And if you stay at it, you never know what the possibilities are.
1: Talk to me about high achievers. We live in a society where and I mean, it's just a natural extension of what we've just been speaking about, but I kind of just want to name it also. Uh, We live in a society where it can often feel like high achievers are those people over there and that it's not possible for us. And I mean, this is exactly what you've just been speaking about. But can we speak about that specifically? Do you believe that every person is a high achiever? I
0: think that as humans, we're incredible. Our capacity is enormous. Mm. Um, And the answer is, I do believe that. I really do believe that we are all high achievers. I do
1: why do we have so much imposter syndrome then? I was just going to come to that.
0: I think that <laughs> yeah, w- <love>. yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking what it is, Fenola is we do a lot of comparing and contrasting huge amounts okay. of it. and. We only, again. I'm going to harp on about social media, but you know, we only have to look at the the coffee cup that we see that somebody's having in, you know, Rouda whatever, in Paris, and I'm sitting here in bog standard office in back end of Galway, and so on and so on. Compare and contrast brings us out of our true selves and into somebody else's life. So you're not even embodied in yourself at this point. You're actually living vicariously through somebody else's existence. So again, it's about this a dimension that we've been drawn into this other, other world that we were not built for. We've actually got a caveman nervous system with a futuristic brain and it needs management. It needs, it needs us to, to know a few tips and tools have to come back. You've got to want it. So I do believe we're all achievers because I work with my clients. I hear the most extraordinary, mm. humbling, emotional stories of people's pasts. I am continually, I will say just move deeply with the extraordinariness of the challenges and the struggles that people do carry with them every day. If that mm. isn't being a high achiever, I don't know. But society doesn't want us to do that. First of all, we're supposed to hide our warts and our our not-so-pretty bits and we're supposed to pat them away and we're supposed to don that beautiful double-breasted suit and we're supposed to show up um, as a high achiever.
1: What about those people who would look at their lives and say, but I'm just average. What about the many people who would say, this is an average life, you know, you triumphed over adversity. So you've already, you know, broken the odds and they look around and they see all this, you know, achievement and back is to the wall and they faced cancer and they faced this and they faced that, these horrific scenarios. And somehow those, you know, really challenging lives can be quite intimidating for someone who hasn't faced that. Mm. Like can someone who, lives. And, and, and I have to refrain from sounding judgmental because I don't want to be, but it's a reality from someone who says, but I'm just an average person. They've had to do all of that. I'm average. How could I? I've never done anything that would be seen as adversity or trauma or anything. It's so I'm boring. Mm, mm. And, and Finola, I will
0: hasten to add, then so am I too, because at the end of the day, we all lead very ordinary lives. Remember, I'm here to talk about my book and my experiences, but actually at the end of the day, I still get up and have breakfast, and I still go through the routines of the day, and I stay in the moment. That, to me, is living most fully. And so, yes, there are people out there to inspire and encourage, but. Life isn't one dimensional. Life has many different pockets and cups and areas. So what I would say to the person who says, look at me, I haven't done anything that's terribly exciting. And I would say, well, find the richness within your own story. Because comparing and contrasting, remember, yeah. isn't really where we should be. We've been encouraged to compare and contrast. Look at the time when you supported the whole family when there was a loss. Look at the time when you had a flat tire Mm. in the middle of nowhere in the dark of the night. It doesn't have to be what society has um, given a a big, you know, inspiration. So every little story we have is inspirational, but also it makes up who we are. And never apologize for who you are inside. Never apologize because you watch that movie and she's got this beautiful, hunky, you know, film star in her hand. You also have something very beautiful and very fine and very rare that is unique and entirely belonging to you. Now, I've handed that to the person. Now, do with it what you can in the most beautiful way. Make something rich with it. That beautiful, is it Japanese where they mend broken? vases with a bit of gold i can't remember what it's called called vanilla, but mm. you know mm. may craft your own beauty around your own story you have permission to do what you wish with your story so don't look without and don't look to me look to yourself first of all and see what beauty you can actually unleaven journal it look at it ponder about it And start to find those little amazing little jewels that you know you've got, but you haven't probably dared to acknowledge their jewels because it's been bred out of you. Look to somebody else, compare and contrast. So don't do that.
1: I like that statement of yours. Do what you wish with your own story.
0: Mm. It's important.
1: It's really, yeah, it's also very beautiful and very, it gives us. Choice that we choose how we are in the world, and we choose to embrace our own greatness or not or not, yes or not, and
0: I think that you know I spent many years for Nola completely ignoring the signals for myself, completely going off and repeating the same silly mistakes and ridiculousness. It took me to lose my sanity, in, in, if we're gonna be truthful here, to actually sit back and go, okay, maybe I need to learn something from this. So I was actually carrying on the same trajectory. And I think that it I had to be hammered <laughs> before I stopped and said, okay, how can I lead this differently? So, you know, if the message doesn't hit home with everybody today, Maybe somebody will hear a message in five years' time and it'll resonate and it'll be at the right time for that person. We're all on different time frames and different time zones in our in our journeys, personal journeys. So some mm-hmm. people may need to continue on a trajectory that isn't really right for them for the moment until the right message is is, is given and the right message is received and then the journey changes and the fork in the road is taken. So I think that we we need to accept that we're all going to receive the the message in the right time for us and so when people say to me but it's okay for you rachel i say it took me a hell of a long time to get my message and i'm still receiving Mm. them and i'm still learning and i'm still growing but one thing i think that i i will do my level best not to lose is that creation and i created a sense of joy and i know you do the same for nola that takes responsibility to do so. We have to work at it, um, but the payoff is enormous. Hmm.
1: What would you say to people as a way to start? How do you start to embrace, to discover, to discover and embrace their own greatness?
0: I think it begins with telling, uh, changing the story we tell ourselves. I was reflecting this morning, and I was thinking. There was a time when I quite literally was rude, disparaging, dismissive, unkind, and downright really uh, judgmental and destructive to myself. And I woke up one day when I heard Mm. myself saying something like, you're so damn stupid. Now I've been saying that for 25, 30 years, and I heard myself. Mm. And I got a shock because I thought, goodness gracious me, how could you speak to yourself mm. like that? So mm. I think it's about going into our own story and spe- we need to spend time at this stuff. We don't do it on the fly. You know, it is about choosing to take some time out. Look at your mm. own story, start to build those little bits of self belief and, and praise. And, and how you could probably maybe have done it better. Start an internal dialogue and exchange and stop as best you can being unkind internally. We look at children who are abused and battered and beaten. They don't develop emotionally because they're constantly trying to survive. It's no different for an adult mm-hmm. who's constantly beating themselves over the back of the head with cruel and judgmental words. and the, Prefrontal cortex, a part of the brain that's that's newer, the neocortex, it actually shuts down a lot of the services when we're, we're in that mode. So if we knew, know that, and if we also know that 70% of the thoughts that arise naturally in the human mind, maybe more, are naturally negative, that's really important information. So mm. once we start to be kind to ourselves, once we start to understand our own stories and get a little bit of feedback from ourselves, and once we start to be softer and more gentle, that's when we can just start to make those steps. And they're small steps. And that's what it needs to be. Small steps.
1: I have a question for you, just about that shutting down piece. Hmm. Am I is it am I correct then in understanding this from you? Is that if as we constantly have this negative dialogue going on. We're teaching our brains to shut down to push us into survival mode when only the bare minimum is available to us. Is that what that does to us? Well, it's a survival instinct that shuts it
0: down. And so, think about it. We talk a lot about being in, fr- but our negative self-talk it helps to shut it down. But it is our negative self-talk doing. Ah. It's helping, but what what is really affecting that is we acquire all our beliefs from early childhood about ourselves. Now, these beliefs could be, you're not lovable, you're not good enough, uh, you're different to everybody else, you don't belong, um, you know, your body's this, and so on and so on. Those beliefs are acquired in early childhood, and they're acquired by a child's mind. So the interpretation taken on them is pretty much zero. It is the fact, it is the truth, I am this. When we grow up, we don't suddenly pull out all of these acquired beliefs and look at them one by one and go well that's rubbish and this we actually had those beliefs running around unconsciously all the time we can't hear it but they're running around and they're blighting us now if there has been challenge in our childhood and we're in flight or fright mode the child doesn't go on to emotionally develop the same way um, a child who's living in a more benign environment does. So that's already a difficulty. And then you, if you don't resolve all of that stuff uh, you know, as best as possible, and then you've got this adult voice then taking over, we're constantly bombarding the brain with negativity. And also there are parts of the brain because of this that shut off. And obviously they stay alive, but they, they're not maturing. They're not developing the way they could do. So when we change our inner narrative, when we become what we call the inner parent, when we reparent ourselves mm. in a kind and loving and benign and supportive way, that's when the body and the mind can go, oh, it's safe. It's safe for me to grow in other areas now. And so this understanding that 70 to 75% of our thoughts are negative, it's hugely liberating once we take that on board, because then we can say, aha, so everything, 75% of what I naturally think is going to be negative. If I don't start to turn that around and change the percentages, how am I gonna walk out of these difficulties? So it is about understanding a little bit. And as I said, writing your story, understanding your story, where did all of this stem from? A lot of that work, Fanola, can just be done by natural inquiry and naturally catching your thoughts. When you drop that coffee cup, don't allow yourself to say, oh, there I go, I'm so stupid or I'm so clumsy, say, I dropped a cup. <laughs> you know, what's the big deal? We don't need to jump in and, and beat ourselves. for it. And that's a small analogy, but watch yourself every day and see how unkind are you being? I had a thing for Nola, and it's, I'm really only still working through this. And it's to do with actually seeing myself in a mirror, would you believe it? I have had to train myself to look at myself head to toe in the mirror. I spent most of my life not wanting to see myself and so can you imagine what that's doing it's annexing and axing a whole part of me and my reality so there is what I'm what the reason why I'm saying this is there are so many aspects to healing and there are so many aspects to us and how we can heal but I do believe that it begins with those wee little baby steps about changing the smallest finest Mm. thing first rome was not built in a day my recovery did not happen in a year it happened over periods of years and i'm still in recovery so that is so hopeful and then can you find Mm. a life with meaning but joy in your struggles it might sound a really really challenging thing to ask But you will find a tiny chink of joy. It might be just seeing that shard of sunlight. And it might be something so Mm. small, but those little things, when we acknowledge them, they create changes inside, in our brains. So it is up to us. Mm. It is up to us. And Mm. you have to want
1: it. Yeah. I. This is really interesting to me and it's a really good way for us to leave, leave on this last lesson from you. And I'm really getting this from you that by, by changing that dialogue, by transforming it into a joyful dialogue, a joyful of appreciation of our own lives, of our own bodies, of our own minds, we actually start to switch parts of our brain on that has been locked, closed down before, which leads me to a path that says, perhaps by doing this, we unlock our own zone of genius in ourselves. And then the world changes. Is that a good deduction from what you're saying? Am I understanding you?
0: Maybe a simpler way of putting it would be the words that we say internally, and the visualizations we allow ourselves mm. to form create our reality. so if you think yeah. about that, your reality that you how you experience life is dependent on what you are forming, the pictures you allow yourself to form, and the words you allow yourself to think it's as simple as that now i 'm not a neuroscientist, okay. Um, but that is the basic premise mm. of, of this. And neuroplasticity is the fact that we can alter it. We can make changes. And the other important bit, fenola is to understand that there's two things. The brain likes familiarity, doesn't like to change, and the brain only changes by repetition. So sometimes we might have a go at something and so oh, it didn't work will remind yourself that your brain actually needs repetition to change and it will try and bring you back to the old way of thinking and the old way of behaving because it only likes to run run patterns and programs so when we have that bit of information we say okay well then i need to go through the tough bit i need to push that that tractor up the hill until it goes down the other side because with repeated positive affirmation behavior, thinking patterns, and activities. The brain is changing, but we need to repeat it. And interestingly, my clients get an audio, a hypnosis audio. They need to listen to it for a month, twice a day, Mm. because that's continuing to reprogram. So that'll tell you how long it kind of takes to start to cement new patterns. That's so hopeful. But if you wanted a quick fix in the morning, it's not Mm. going to sound very hopeful. We need to show up for this stuff. We need to show up for our own transformations.
1: Mm -hmm. Great wave to finish. We need to show up for our own transformations. I love it. Thank you so much, Rachel, for that beautiful message for us. Thank you
0: for now. It's gorgeous to be invited to come and talk to you again.
1: I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Rachel, check her out on RachelGotto.com. That's R-A-C-H-E-L-G-O-T-T-O.com. And if you'd be so kind to share this episode with someone you know who would find it valuable, I would greatly appreciate it. And if you'd like to reach out to me about the podcast or anything else, connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedincom slash in slash Howard. And I'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then, take care.